0: This is a Just Because podcast, where home bakers find inspiration to grow their baking business. I'm Amanda Jonsey. Let's get into today's episode. Hey there. I just want to start off this episode by saying a huge thank you for all the support I've received since the launch of this podcast. To all who have left a review, sent me a DM, or emailed me your kind words, it really means the world to me, and just hearing your takeaways or what your favorite episodes are really helps me know what content to create for you, so please keep them coming and let me know what you want to hear on this podcast. So this episode is brought to you by my upcoming Instagram for Bakeries bootcamp, this four-week online course is a blend of Instagram strategies and business mentorship and opening up the doors very soon. So be sure to sign up for the waitlist with a link in the short description, and you'll receive an exclusive discount when the bootcamp goes live. All right. I am beyond excited to introduce today's guest on the show. I had the pleasure of interviewing Charlotte Walter. She is an award-winning chocolatier known for her unique flavors that represent various cultures. Bring out your pen and paper because you're going to want to take notes. We talk about how Charlotte transitioned from engineer to chocolatier, the importance of working on your mindset, asking the right questions, what it means to monetize every action in your business, building a brand, and so much more. With that said, let's dive straight into the interview. Welcome, Charlotte. Um, Charlotte is the CEO and founder of Charlotte Truffles. I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. She is an amazing baker who I befriended, Through Instagram, and it's just been so much fun watching her and her business grow. So, I know this episode is going to speak to a lot of you today. So, I'm so excited to jump in. Um, I think what would be helpful is just starting out with your story, right? Like, how did you begin? How did you even find your passion for chocolates? And how did you get started with this amazing business? Well,
1: first of all, Thank you, Amanda, for having me on your podcast. And I am looking forward to see how I can help with your um, community. And so uh, to answer your questions, how did I start my business? I actually transitioned careers from uh, being an engineer uh, to a chocolatier in 2016. And when I started, I really wanted to st- create a chocolate shop where I really celebrate uh, the diverse voices that we see and hear in our community through chocolates. So that's mm-hmm. really ultimately what I wanted to do with the chocolate shop. And through that, I really wanted to just highlight people's stories and what better ways to highlight people's stories and, um, emphasize the importance of listening and understanding than through food. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's crazy. I love that tagline from engineer to chocolatier. (laughs) That could be like your business tagline. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, but how did like this passion for chocolate begin? Like, did you just randomly come up with this idea to try out chocolates. I mean, chocolates are not an easy um, thing to create. So what was that process like for you?
1: So it all started because uh, in 2008, uh, my family and I decided to go back to Indonesia after immigrating to the US in 91. So that was like 17 years that we flipped here. And was going to be my first time seeing my uh, extended family after we moved. And so as many of you guys know, once you move here and you visit home, you bring home some gifts, right? Mm. And so I wanted to bring home uh, gifts, decadent gifts, and I thought about chocolate. And I also wanted to Uh, bring home flavors that they're very familiar with so a lot of tropical flavors and as I was searching for them I found that it was one it was or at least at the time it was not as easy to find them Mm -hmm. and when I go into chocolate shops I noticed that either the flavors that I was seeking was something that is more on the rotational basis or it was just a short representations of their entire collection. And um, I still very much love tropical flavors. Uh, you know, I continue to infuse them in my daily uh, diets. And so I thought that was kind of crazy. Like, I thought, you know, uh, mangoes should be pretty normal, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you, right. So so when I was going in, I'm like, Oh, how come I can't find mango as easily? So I wanted to kind of change the narrative on that a little bit. And rather mm. having it be a, a seasonal or something that's on a rotation, it would be something that I highlight uh, consistently into my collections. And so that's how it all came about.
0: Oh my gosh. I still have so many questions, but I know that this (laughs) podcast would probably be like five hours long. Uh, So maybe we'll have a part two, but I love that. Like, I think that is so cool that you created something out of necessity, right? Like you couldn't find this anywhere else. so You just went ahead and did it yourself. So (laughs) I think that's really cool. So basically you had this idea, right? You wanted to bring these chocolates back home. Mm -hmm. And then after that, was that where you began to just do it more as a hobby? And then you had this idea of, you know, creating a business. Like what was that transition like from just having the idea of like, I want mango chocolates to now having (laughs) this empire, basically?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know if it's an empire, but (laughs) but. No. So, uh, so yes, I did not start my business immediately. I, uh, at the time I was still working in engineering and, and I thought, Oh, you know, like I was just starting also like the early stages of my career in engineering. And so I thought I, you know, I went to school for engineering (laughs) and I'm not going to just like leave. Um, and so I just kind of started, um, playing around with chocolate as a hobby and when it's and after that I kind of started giving them away to some friends and people really enjoyed them and uh I thought well you know maybe it could be a business um and the idea of entrepreneurship is not completely new to me because uh my family members from both my dad and my mom's side uh are filled with entrepreneurs so Mm. So I thought, well, uh, you know, obviously I've seen it all my life really can't be that hard because I see, you know, it's there's uh, like a good 80 to 90 percent of my um, generations above me are entrepreneurs. So I'm like, yeah, Yeah, I'm like, I could totally do this. And of course, you know, I continue to pursue it because I just wasn't sure if it was a hobby versus something that I wanted to pursue as a business. Mm -hmm. And. I decided to keep postponing it. And I thought if I, you know, if it keeps calling on to me, then it's something that I should really try. And, but I was going to wait for the time to really tell me where I should be in terms of uh, my career. And ultimately in 2016, things just kind of unfolded uh, things that are happening at my work, uh, you know, my, Company went through a couple acquisitions. I just finished my MBA and uh, I was already married at the time. And my husband told me, like, if this isn't a sign, I don't know what else you need <laughs> to <laughs> tell you that maybe you should consider this. I was also starting to get really burned out with uh, engineering because I was working at a more startup style company mm. where I was putting in 50, 60 hours a week, which for me was obviously, uh, draining, but it was also exhilarating. So um, I started thinking, if I was going to put in that much hours into something, why not put that into my business? Why not turn that into my passion and see where it goes? Yeah. So.
0: Wow. So <laughs> when you talk about like, you know, if it keeps calling to me, then maybe I'll look uh-huh. into it. Like, what does that mean? Like, what did that look like for you?
1: Well, Every time there was just a moment in the business, in my engineering life that things got really hard, I would always think about, like, is, am I really meant to be in a corporate world? And right. Am I really meant to be just, you know, clocking in my hours here and there? And so I always looked at other people who uh, were, uh, are entrepreneurs and how much they enjoy being an entrepreneur. Um, And despite the fact that it was also just as draining to see the like excitement in their eyes and their like, you know, pride in what Mm -hmm. they build was something like, "Hmm, maybe, maybe there is another set of life for me. So that was, and it just kept coming back. Yeah. You know, over and over again. And of course, when I took my MBA and my old boss kind of made fun of me because he, was like, oh, you took your MBA because you know you were going to do entrepreneurship. And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> so, I mean, because the, the company paid for like uh, part of my school. So that's why he made oh, fun awesome. of me. <laughs> so I'm like, no, I don't think so. Uh, You know, but I think the idea of entrepreneurship is something that is very much relatable, regardless if you decide to pursue entrepreneurship or to work in a corporate world. Because I think, uh, entrepreneurship is just all about thinking outside the box and being resilient and trying to consistently like get up and figure out a solution. Right. And so that's, that is the reasons why I was excited for some of the classes that I took. In, um, in my MBA course. And so, again, after it all unfolded, I was like, well, I'm burned out. I might as well take a year off. And during that one year off, I'll start this thing. And, and that was 2016.
0: Wow. So <laughs> during this year off, what was that like for you? Like, did you come up with, you know, this grand plan before your year off? started or you know did you give yourself a timeline like okay if you know this business thing doesn't work in this year I'm going back to engineering like what were were your thoughts during this time? Yeah so uh,
1: in like I said I graduated from MBA in 2016 it was June 2016 and I left corporate world in um, December of 2016 mm-hmm. and as part of the m b a class or you know program, you had to do a capstone class which just encompasses everything that you've learned and I had a an amazing professor who just uh, to really be able to combine everything that you learn, he suggested that we would create a business, like a fake business. Now, that could be a business that you really want to pursue or just a fake business so you can just pass the class. <laughs> <Right? Yeah. laughs> um, and so my friend at the time was like, oh, I don't really have any ideas. I'm like, okay, well, why don't we play with the idea of the Charlotte Truffles? And so uh, through that, we've kind of put together a business plan And um, and when I kicked off the the, when I did the soft launch for the company in December, I kind of used that as a leverage point. But you know, since then a lot has changed. Um, And yeah, I think ultimately the idea of like being able to speak diverse or share the stories of our community really was refined during that MBA program. and it gets uh, continued to be refined afterwards because uh, when I first was in the MBA class, I said, well, I really wanted to just reconnect back to my culture because the whole story behind of this diversity kind of really stemmed from my own experience. When I first moved to the U S you know um, I really wanted to just blend in. I didn't want to stick out. I didn't want to, um, be the different kid in the class because being different as an immigrant when you're like nine years old could be challenging and it was challenging at some point yeah. but uh, another classmate instead turned that around and said you know you should be proud that you're different and you could bring so many different voices and you can, you can just teach us the differences and how we can like celebrate diversity. And so that was the whole idea of the business was to reconnect back to the cultures. And I wanted to focus more on my Indonesian flavors, which is what flavors that I kind of launched the first year. But I realized that there's more needs outside of reconnecting back to your own culture, I think, to really be able to understand our community, we need to also be able to Be willing to listen to stories, uh, Mm people, personal stories. And that's how I expanded it and and refine the mission statement to where it is today.
0: Yeah, Uh, that is so beautiful. (laughs) And I think that's, you know, one of the main reasons why I really look up to you and I love what you're doing, because I think in the baking industry, you know, especially when I first started out, it just seemed like everyone was doing the same exact thing. And it was really mm-hmm. hard to find, you know, other bakers who were successful who looked like me. You know, I think, right. you know, I didn't have the same story as you, but starting out in this, like, baking world, I wanted to look like everyone else. And I was scared of that because... I'm Vietnamese or because I, you know, I look a certain way, like I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be accepted. So for you to be, you know, a leader in the chocolate industry and the chocolate tier world and emphasize the importance of diversity and like coming together with no matter who you are, what you look like, what your story is or your background. Mm -hmm. I think that is so beautiful. And it just also, ties into this idea of food and baking, you know, being a universal language. And we shouldn't have everything look the same. Like, we need to learn from each other and learn from our <clears> communities. Um, so, I really applaud what you're doing. I think Aww. it's incredible. And it really, I feel like your core value and your mission statement, like, really is exemplified in the way that you market, in the way that you sell your chocolates? Like, can you go into a little bit of that? Like, how did you find that voice? Like, how did you become so confident in the way that you sell your chocolates and, like, you know, emphasizing this whole idea around diversity? First of all, thank you. Uh, and, no, it's not It's not
1: a perfect road to get to where I am. There was definitely a lot of... um there's a lot of sleepless nights where I was trying to figure out how do I stand out? You know, as you were saying earlier, you, you, when you started your business, you didn't want to be like everybody else. It's exactly the same with me, right? Um, because there's a lot of other great chocolatiers who have perfected, uh, the more, st- I'm going to say standardized or mm-hmm. um, regular flavors that everyone is accustomed to. And so uh, I wanted to highlight, again, everyone's story through chocolates. And I just wasn't sure on how to be able to uh, create a mission that was um, something that I was going to be really proud of and speaking of. And at the same time that could people could latch on and not just because i'm an immigrant and that was actually one of the questions that i got from one of my coaches was uh so you are really you know you're so excited and you want people to connect to other cultures and things like that but that's because you're you know because of your own personal experience but why why should i care right like and so Mm -hmm. i i looked at him like because you should, yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> but uh, he was—he was like, "But you—that's not a convincing enough story." And so, I think being able to find your own mission statement, your find your own drive, your own—you um, know—excitement is something that's going to be extremely challenging for each of us to to be able to trans or transfer that to you know create it into a mission statement. So ultimately, at the very end, it took, you know, this progress was a two or three year progress of yeah. constantly um, journaling and trying to really dig deep on how to create it. And once I figure it out, it was easy. Everything else, uh, like trying to figure out how to name your product, how to, you know, come up with new flavors and how you market it. Those are something that is easier once you figure out exactly what your core values for your business is.
0: Yeah, oh, I love that you're bringing this up because I think for a lot of my students, I try to emphasize the importance of building a brand. Like I think Mm -hmm. so often bakers just come into creating a business just thinking Mm -hmm. that they're only selling cakes. They're only selling cookies, right? But you're, you're like totally the amazing example of like what it means to actually create a brand. Like you are more than just chocolates. And like, I know that if I'm buying from you, I'm buying something so much bigger. So I love that you mentioned like journaling and like how it was a really long process because Sometimes it's not that easy to figure out what your core statement is, like, you know, what you stand for and what you believe in and what um, your core values are. So I'm really glad that you're touching on this about like the idea of creating not just a business, but a brand and how once you figure that out, everything else will align. And like you said, everything else will be easier because you know what you're actually standing for.
1: Yeah. And I think it requires like also uh, being ready to ask, uh, being ready to be challenged by a coach or by a, you know, uh, a friend or somebody, right? Because mm-hmm. not everybody is. Ready to take in those hard questions. Even if you're planning to make this business a successful, long-term business, you know, running a business is challenging. And so mentally, you have to be ready um, to be able to answer this. because I've received those questions multiple times already, you know, <clears throat> during my MBA, when we were trying to create the business plan. and even at the early stages of my business, I was like, oh, I'm just selling chocolate, but I knew I wasn't selling just chocolate per se, I just wasn't able to be able to curate it in in a nice package. And I, even at this point, I still feel like it could be tidied up even more. And yeah. so uh, it's, you know, you should, you, you shouldn't feel like you have to have the answer in the perfect format today. Yeah. So, um, and just be ready to put in the effort to kind of let it evolve at its natural progression.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's so encouraging because, you know, you've been in this business for a couple years now and you are still saying that like, it's still a journey, you know, you haven't figured all of it out yet. I like the idea of, you know, your business is kind of like a living, breathing thing, like just like us it's Mm -hmm. always going to evolve. So even if you decide on something today, or what your mission statement is today, it doesn't mean that that is final, you know, exactly. I just want to highlight a little bit, especially
1: if you're thinking of switching it, we're at an incredibly strange time. You know, you've probably heard multiple business owners saying pivoting, right? It's okay to pivot. It's okay to just like you know, if I even decide to go and say, you know, I don't want to do bonbons anymore. I just want to do a focus on chocolate bars and strictly these type of things. It's still okay. You won't know what you don't know. You yeah. won't know what you don't like until you try it. Exactly. So.
0: Yeah. Now that's, that's one of my favorite quotes from Marie Forleo. She, she says that clarity comes from engagement, not thought. Yeah. So you can't just like think about it and assume things. You actually have to, you know, take action and do it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I love th- that.
1: and this is coming from me, who's like analysis paralysis is like <laughs> my home zone. So yes. uh, like just I'm at a point that at, at uh, when I want to try something, I'm like, you know, what, it doesn't have to be perfect. I don't know if I even have the right packaging for it. Let's just go. Yeah. (laughs) Because you just don't have the time, you know, to perfect it. Because what if you perfect it and you have totally missed the boat as far as what you think the customers need? So let the customers guide you what they want and you can further refine
0: it. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Because we can be so in our head sometimes and assume Mm -hmm. what our customers want or need. And mm-hmm. then we spend so much time and energy. And then when we actually put it out there, it's like not even what they wanted. And then, exactly. you know, <laughs> you just get really like torn up about it and you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. So I wanted to quickly touch on one main theme that we've kind of talked about during this episode is how to change your mindset to become more confident. How did you work on your mindset? And how important do you think mindset is to running a successful business?
1: Mindset is the key to running a successful business. I say that because it's exactly what I went through. In 2016, 2017, and early 2018, I dreamt my business to be very small compared to where I want the business to be. And even at this point, it's still fairly conservative to some of my other friends, whether they're in the chocolate business or in business in general. So I think being able to work on your mindset and remove some of the roadblocks that you have is extremely important. Because if you come into a business thinking, let's say you have an event coming up let's pretend mm-hmm. we have an event that is available for us to participate. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, for, yeah, for example, like when I first started doing uh farmer's market, I was like, oh, I would be so happy, like extremely happy if I made a hundred dollars. Cause that would just make my booth fees a little money and I make money at the end. And now looking back and sitting here like a hundred dollars, are you kidding me? <laughs> Cause then it would be, you know, it's. Uh, there's just so much involved in setting up those booths and things like that, that at the end of the day, you're not making any money. But again, if, if your mindset is like, let me just win a little, you're going to win just a little, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's where you've set your, uh, success, uh, post. But yeah. if you come in and say, I think I'm going to kill it and I'm going to make sure I win, you know, gain X dollars. During the entire time that you're doing that event, you're constantly churning, you're constantly assessing what is going on in your booth, what's going on with your sales, how can I change it up? How can I make it more enticing? How can I make it such that people are more willing to buy? How can I create a stronger connection? You know, all these things comes up to a completely different level, if you put a higher goal. So and it's something that I had to really work on um, quite a bit because I s- seriously thought when I first started my business that why would somebody buy my chocolate? I mean, I have no name or like no brand recognition. There are so many great chocolatiers in the Bay Area, and they've been in the business for 20 plus years, right? And they've worked with famous chefs and this and that and and I'm like oh little old me is not gonna get anywhere and Mm. and that's exactly where it went but as I uh started transitioning my mindset saying like you know what I left my career to start this if I don't make it (laughs) like I don't make it (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh so that's when I've also worked with the coach to start changing the mindset and just seeing each obstacle rather than being an obstacle that's going to defeat you more of like seeing it under the light of I'm going to win that. That's just going to be a small tick mark in my list of I've completed for the year. And then after this goal, I'm going to aim for a higher goal and and also defining what success means for each event each goal is something that you also need to work on because I've always thought that in order for me to be successful I have to be perfect I have to do this and I have to do that and you know like I put so much pressure on myself to make sure that that event is going to go without any glitches and you know that's not true yeah yeah (laughs) you'll forget your cart somewhere oh my god so it's, um, but I mean, I still have that mindset, uh, ultimately, but I'm getting a little bit more comfortable in saying like, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect, as long as I could just say this. So,
0: yeah, wow, but I feel like that was just like a coaching session. in it <laughs> itself, like <that. laughs> But I,
1: I mean, honestly, I am really, really big on mindset, just because yeah. I've seen myself transition. And I've seen how my own thought process impeded my growth within the first couple of years. And just like, even if somebody says no, even if somebody says, um, I don't like your cake. Yeah, it's going to be so, so, so painful to hear that because I've heard that
0: mm-hmm. myself,
1: but realizing as well as who's telling you, is it? are they being genuine about it? Or are they just being cruel? Because there's a whole different set of things, right? And also realizing, is that where I want to be? Like, if I made those changes that that customer suggests, is that something that I would be happy about for my business to stand behind? And would I be happy? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh,
0: wow. That was so good. I feel like I need a minute just to like <laughs> all of that in. <laughs> I think like the thing that keeps coming up for me as we're talking is the whole idea of asking the right questions. Yes. Being intentional of where your mindset is. Like, are you thinking mm-hmm. small? Because then you're going to stay small. But if you're mm-hmm. asking the right questions of how you can grow, how you can learn and be challenged, like that is a whole other thing amazing thing for your business, so. Yeah, and and your vision
1: can change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first started, honestly, I didn't know where I wanna be and I still don't know where I wanna be with my business. But at the same time, now I know, hey, those big events that I see big, big brands can do, you know what, I can do that too. I don't have to like super kill it like the way they do it, but I can just be there and I can like be a sponge and learn from them. You know, I like I said in 2016, I never thought I would ever want to have like a kitchen of my own or even a retail space. Now that I'm starting to see the picture of, you know, maybe I can have a retail location. And so once you start putting those pictures in your mind, you're like, oh, so I have to have a retail space, and a retail space is going to cost me, you know, a rent of X dollars a month. And then there's the overhead costs and this and that and that. And that's when you start like, oh, it's getting real.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Wow. I like that too. Cause I think, um, you know, when you start out with your business, you hear a lot of people tell you like, okay, you need like a 10 year plan. You need to know all of these things before you can even start. And that is so overwhelming. I know at least for me, like I was so overwhelmed that it just makes you not want to do anything at all. Cause you're like, forget it. Like I'm, I'm so, I'm such a beginner. Like I will never get there. Right. But like you said, it it just takes like little baby steps and like, sure, you know, maybe you can not have this 10 year plan, but you can at least know like, okay, if I do want to be here and it's feasible, let's work backwards. And that just makes it more practical. And like, it becomes more of a reality to you than like thinking so Wide, right? Exactly.
1: And I think ultimately the first questions that you would want to ask is, especially if you're very, very early in your business, like the way I was in 2016, I didn't even know if I want to really make this into a business, like a long term business, or if it was just going to be a one year hiatus. And then I go Mm -hmm. back to engineering, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think creating a little checkpoint along the way. And I don't mean that from a financial side or from like, you know, a success in the business side. It's more about like checking in with yourself. Am I still really enjoying this? Yes, it's really, really challenging to have a business and to run a business. But ultimately, at the end of the day, are you willing to go back in the office, quote unquote, office, kitchen, you know, and do it again the next day? If the answer is no, that's completely fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, but if the answer is yes, all right, let's put more skin to the game. You mm-hmm. know, is it something that you want to really turn it into a long-term business or is it more of like a side hustle?
0: Cause yeah. there's a difference, right? Exactly. So. And there's nothing wrong with either. Like exactly. You are your own boss. So like, you don't have to listen to what your friends and family are saying. Like you have to know yourself, what is within your capacity and what you actually want Just because you started it doesn't mean you have to continue and go through with it, even if you're unhappy. Exactly. I wanted to transition into talking about being efficient. So Hmm. Charlotte and I, we've, you know, we DM a lot and she said this one phrase that just hit me and she said, you need to monetize every action. Can you kind of go into that? You can even talk about like specific examples within your own business, but yeah, what does that mean and look like for you and how did you learn that that was necessary for your business? Uh, so
1: Let's go back a little bit. And I think uh, before you go down this path, you really need to understand where you want for your business to be. It again, it, whether it be a side hustle or is, uh, or if it's a hobby or if it's a full blown business that you want to rely as your major income. And I think at each bucket, there's more and more skin to the game. So if you want this to be, uh, your major income coming in, like as if you work for a corporate and you get paychecks, then you need to be able to understand where every time that you spent is going toward. Because take just for an example, if you're working at a company, they'll give you a salary, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, every minute, like, They're going to pay me at X dollars and I have to make sure I am to be very efficient. Mm -hmm. But when you're working for yourself and especially you are more on a, I'm going to say transactional style of business where you have to produce something to get income, everything is very much dependent on sales. So you have to understand everything behind the scenes, everything that's before that sale transaction costs money. And so whether it's actual dollar money that you spent for ingredients to convert them to cakes or your own time that you had to use to plan for creating those cakes. Cause you, we all have only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. Right. And I would assume that all of us do not want to spend 24 hours a day to make money. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, So you have to, again, understand where your times are spent and understand it. Not just say, oh, I mean, to one point you can be very neurotic like where I am, or you can just say, I spend at least an hour and a half in planning of the um, cake. And then I spend, and I don't know if those numbers are true because I'm not a baker. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sorry if it's off, but I I spend two hours in baking. I spent three hours in designing it. I spent a dollar uh, (laughs) an hour for um, for deliveries. And I spend 30 minutes in transacting and creating that sale to happen and refining it. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, that's how many hours. Right. Yeah. So you have to fully understand where that is. And you have to put a dollar to your hours that you spend in, because what if you you know you sell your cake at let's say you undersell your cake and you end up making 5 dollars an hour that's way below minimum wage yeah you might as well work somewhere like you know somewhere else to get a minimum wage
0: yeah
1: and so uh, understanding that minimum wage is at like x dollars and then all that plan that you have uh, could help you create An actual profitability to your business yeah yeah and and that's where like I think we were talking about this on the dm right whether we take uh orders through dm or the website if you're on the dm it seems like it's more of a discussion right and and you could have that but use that as a uh like a consultations that you charge Mm -hmm. or uh Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, you know, it's a build-in to your cake costs. But if if it's nowhere in your entire flow of getting the first email uh, from your client to delivering, then you're wasting so much money, Yeah, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah, and so. I always say, like, time is money. And there are so many tasks that a lot of bakers think they need to be doing, or they need to do all the things, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: you don't. And Mm -hmm. the more you put on your plate, the less that you are working on things that are actually going to give you a profit. And you're just kind of aimlessly, you know, doing things that you think will help your business. So Mm -hmm. I love that you say monetize every action because it really forces you to evaluate exactly what are you doing throughout the day and what are you doing in your business, right? The whole idea of like working, is it working on your business instead of in your business?
1: And at the same time, you know, you also have to see where you want to be in X years. And and I don't mean 10 years. I mean, just a year or even two years. If you're seeing your business as, uh, you know, in two years, I would love to have a sous chef that would help me and doing the baking aspect of the cake, and I focus on the design aspect and more on the face-to-face interaction with the customers, you have to pay those bakers. And if you're not charging enough for your cake, there's no way that you can pay a baker or a sous chef to help you, right? Um, Unless you're continuously tapping in, whether it's through loans, through investors, or, or through bootstrapping. But even if you have a loan and investors, they're going to start asking you, like, I gave you so much money. Where did it go? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Right>? <laughs> You're like, I say people. Yeah, I think it'd be really cool to kind of like get a behind the scenes look of your business. I'm like, not familiar at all with the chocolate industry, but what does like a typical maybe a typical day look like for you obviously it's going to be different every day but Mm -hmm. it'd be really cool to kind of take a look inside your brain and you know do you like batch work like where are you efficient in your processes and your systems some examples would be really cool for I think the the listeners to understand yeah so um I have very
1: two to three different uh type of schedules like during the slower season I have which is now is I batch my work by the days. For example, during the slow season, I really work on the back end of my business. What am I going to be offering for the holiday seasons? How am I going to package and price them, and all these things, right? And so Mondays are usually my marketing Mondays. Tuesday is my finance. Wednesday is my wholesale. Thursday is sales, Friday is fun days. Fun days meaning um, being in the kitchen and coming up with new flavors or just refining things or just the science aspect of recipe development. Um, But if I have to be in production and I am in productions more frequently these days is that it would be, I would block off a week to two weeks for me to just do production depending on the size of my runs Mm -hmm. if I'm doing um for example this past week I did a thousand a thousand I think a thousand fifteen hundred bonbons oh my gosh so um so I I what I do is, uh, within the process of making chocolate bonbons, there's sub-processes that I can break down. Um, so I focus one day on cleaning and buffing the molds. The second day is painting the molds. The third day is shelling the molds. Fourth is ganache making and filling. And fifth day is closing. Um, and then the week prior to the work is when I do a lot of my, um, purchasing of the ingredients, making sure that I have inventory properly, making sure I have space properly, um, all these things. So that by the time I do production, I'm not like, which happens, like I'm in the middle of production, I re- thought I had enough butter, and I screwed up somewhere in the process, and I had to go run to mm. Whole Foods and, yeah.
0: buy,
1: <laughs> and buy more butter, right? Or like, or crossing my finger that my husband is off for the evening and asking him to go to Whole Whole Foods. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But if you had to do it, that's going to Whole Foods is literally five minutes from my house. But by the time I come back, it's 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. I could have been somewhere else along in my production uh, stage. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I do uh, my days. And then, uh, after production ends, I do packaging, and you guys know packaging is just you know as intense as actually making,
0: yeah <laughs> so
1: so that's kind of where it is for me,
0: oh my gosh, wow, that is so cool. I would love to just like shadow you one week and just see how you do everything, <laughs> but I really like how you talked about batch working. I think that is something anyone can do no matter what your specialty or niche is exactly Um, yeah so i'm really glad we got to take a you know little inside behind the scenes look at that thank you for sharing i just wanted to end our conversation just with if you can tell people you know how they can get a hold of your delicious chocolates i mean you have some amazing flavors like you have Banana Foster, you have Raspberry Yuzu, and Rosewater Saffron. Like, you have so many amazing flavors. How can people get their hands on this? Like, Do you deliver across the states? Like, Let us know all the details. Oh,
1: well, thank you. So I am oh, solely focused on Bay Area um, patrons only. So I do local deliveries and pickups. My website is charlottetruffles.com with two Fs and two Ls. Maybe I should say it first, two L's and two F's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, uh, you could also, uh, find my social media. Like, if you would like to see the behind the scenes on how chocolate is made, follow me along on Facebook or, uh, Instagram under, uh, Char Truffles. And then if you like to visit me, you can also visit me at the Menlo Park Farmer's Market on Sundays. Uh, I'm there every Sunday unless it's extremely hot. And you can purchase everything online uh, through the website. You can also choose to customize your boxes online as
0: well. Amazing. I'm so, so blessed to know you and to have you on this episode. Is there anything that you want to leave our bakers with, like something encouraging or motivating or anything about mindset? Just anything that you want to share for people who are maybe starting out or not sure if this is the right path for them? I
1: think for me, mindset is incredibly important. So if you were to take a year, you know, if you're, at a point where you're unsure, it's a it's an extremely important investment that you should make to yourself on refining your mindset and the way that you're conversing with yourself in your head. Mm-hmm. So um, I grew really slow in the first two years because, like I said, I didn't think I could do it. And, it, you know, um, and that's where your capping point is going to be. So if, if you're still at that stage, it's okay. Your growth will come once you change your mindset. You don't have to kill it. You don't have to make millions of dollars or hundreds <laughs> of thousands of dollars within the first year. Um, it will come with time. But uh, understanding where you are and how you want to change the conversation in your mind is going to be essential in where your business is going to be and also being able to understand what your business is gonna look like and how you want your your passion to lie. I think all of that requires a really um, in-depth look and th- there's no right answer for anybody, it's just what you would wanna do. And once you find that, it's it makes every other task in the business a lot easier. It will make it easier for you to figure out if you have the right customers. Let's say a customer trying to uh, maybe bargain with you on a cake and you know that you want to be a certain brand. It's going to be easy for you to say, I'm sorry, that's not where we are. I can guide you to other bakers who maybe mm-hmm. will fit your needs, but it will allow you to be able to say that comfortably rather than feeling like, oh my gosh, should I take it or should I not? Right? So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, that was mindset. beautifully said. Thank you so much, Charlotte. <laughs> we need a part two sometimes. Um, but I am so, so happy and grateful that you um, were able to do this guest interview. I know that everyone listening is probably taking like a ton of notes or going to go back and listen to it again. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I know that you are a busy woman, so I'm very appreciative. And I will connect with you soon. But thank you so much, Charlotte. You have a great day. Thank you. And good luck, everyone. Wow. Did you love that interview as much as I did? I was actually scribbling down notes like crazy while talking to Charlotte. If you loved this interview, make sure to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram tagging me and Charlotte. Also, let me know what your favorite takeaway was or maybe even what you were doing while listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you struggle with Instagram or just want to learn more about how to use it with intention to grow your baking business, sign up for the Instagram for Bakeries Bootcamp waitlist. And I can't wait to connect with you soon. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you found this helpful, be sure to subscribe, rate my show, and leave a review. I can't wait to hang out with you again here on the Just Because podcast.